It is good to have you. It's good to have you in church. Um, I know from time to time you guys hear me say things, and uh, and I want you to know that it, it's true. When I say things like, Sunday's my favorite day of the week, it really is my favorite day of the week, because I get to see all of you. We get to spend time together. We get to encourage one another, uh, worship together, uh, hear what God wants to say to each one of us. And so it is a pleasure and our honor to be with you every week. If you have a Bible, turn it to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to start there this morning. But uh, one thing I want to mention before we jump into the message is that next week, I want to encourage you, if you are able, um, I know some of you love Christmas and you love to decorate. Next Sunday after church, we are going to transform our sanctuary, at least start to get all of the trees up and begin kind of our our Christmas season here at the church. Uh, So uh, I want to encourage you to... To drive accordingly next week, if you uh, are coming and maybe your spouse isn't staying, maybe you want to bring two vehicles, um, if you need daycare, let us know. Uh, but here's the deal, uh, Melissa's going to have lunch here for you, and uh, we just want to uh, gather together, and, and the more hands that stay, the easier it is. Uh, Melissa will kind of direct what, what needs to happen, but uh, we just want to thank you as as you sacrifice your time next Sunday to do that. We're going to have a great time. Well turn on the Christmas music. How many of you are ready for Christmas music? Anybody ready for Christmas music? A few of you. How many of you are saying it has to be after Thanksgiving before Christmas music? Okay. So the majority has has answered and and those of you that want to play it, play it in the privacy of your own vehicle. All right. Uh, Well, it is so good to see you. Last week uh, we did a, uh, we've been in a series here called Enough is Enough and we're really asking the question, when is enough enough? When is enough going to be enough for us? And we've been talking about worry. And some of us in here, we worry more than other people. It's just a part of who we are and, and kind of uh, maybe sometimes what we learned growing up in our homes. So worry can be a challenge for us. Another uh, challenge is this. We talked about contentment last week. And some of us just have a, a struggle with contentment. Really believing that Jesus is all that we need. Jesus really is enough for each one of us. And this week we're going to talk about gratitude. And I started last week by asking the question, what's the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word contentment? That was last week. What's the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word contentment? We're going to start this week with the question, what's the first word that comes to mind when you hear the word gratitude? Now, I know some of you, your first word, the first word that comes to your mind when you think of gratitude is teenagers and kids, right? Because our kids and teenagers are always just so thankful for all the things that we have. You know, thank you, mom and dad, for the heat. Thank you for the food that you provide for us, the Wi-Fi. All of those things. Our kids are always so grateful for that, aren't they? So thankful. Over-the-top thankful. And, and as I think about that, it, it reminds me sometimes of some of the ways that we are towards God. Because although we want our kids to be thankful and we want to teach our kids those things, in order to, to get better at it, we have to practice these things. And, and if I'm being honest, there are days and weeks that can go by where I'm just not as thankful and grateful to God as I ought to be. And then the, things happen and remind me to do that. Maybe it's through a scripture that I read or maybe it's through another thing that uh, someone else is going through in their life. But, but 1 Thessalonians teaches us something about this, and we're going we're gonna to start here this morning, and this is one of those, I believe, an underliner in your Bible, or a highlighter if you're using the Bible app. If, if you don't have the Bible app on your phone, I want to encourage you to do that. Just go to the App Store, or go to Google Play, and, and search the Bible, and it's, it's brown and with a yellow cross on it. 
Uh, it has great features and daily, daily scriptures sent to you, Bible plans you can read. But, but here's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, not for all, all circumstances, but in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now, if you have your Bible, flip to Luke chapter 17. We're going to spend most of our morning there reading a story about some lepers in the Bible, 10 lepers, in fact, and uh, we'll, we'll learn a little bit about leprosy, perhaps, but um, there's an interesting story that happens in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, and here's what happens on his journey there. Verse number 11 says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12 says, As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. He wasn't in the village, he was outside of the village. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Master, have pity on us. If you have leprosy, you couldn't be within... 15 feet of anybody else you had to stand at a distance from them lest that uh, the wind was blowing at a certain speed that day that could uh, infect another person verse 14 when they when he saw them jesus saw them he said go show yourselves to the priest and as they went they were cleansed or really that word there in other translations says that they were healed now, this is really interesting. I want to stop here for just a second because we know Jesus. And what we've learned in Scripture over and over is that Jesus could have just said, be healed, and they could have been instantly healed right there. Jesus, in other places, spoke a word of someone in another town, and they were healed. But here they are, and Jesus just says to them, go show yourselves to the priest, and it says, as they went... Really, we could read that as, as they were obedient. Obedience really means a lot to God. And as they went, they were healed. Verse 15 tells us something interesting. It says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Now, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along well. So, in other words, the others were considered locals. They would have been Jew, Jews or Jewish nature. And so they, could have, they, they would have been expected to come back. And this, this foreigner, this outsider, would have been seen just to go on their way. But, but he was the only one who came back. Verse 17, Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Other translations will say your faith has made you whole, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in a little bit. We know that he has been healed already of leprosy, and now he's being made whole. So we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Now, as you read this, uh, I don't know, here in, in our country, when it comes, there are people, obviously, with skin diseases and things like that, but leprosy is something that we don't see uh, as often here in our, our culture, our, our neck of the woods, as, as you might in other countries. Um, but, but leprosy, during this time, it, well, leprosy, is, it's disfiguring, it's debilitating, um, 
It carries a social stigma like, like other diseases can. Um, and in Jesus' time, it, it meant that you had to live as a complete outcast. You couldn't be around your family. You couldn't be around friends. You couldn't go to church. You couldn't do some of those things because you had leprosy lest you get someone else sick or infected with what you have. And so those with leprosy in, in Scripture, they, they had to live outside the town walls. They had to live unprotected. Okay, this, was, this, was, this would be nervous, especially for women um, who, who didn't have the, a protection of, of maybe a husband or something like that. But they, they were vulnerable to outside attack. They would be the first ones that people would, would be able to attack to get to a place. They couldn't worship. They, they couldn't speak to other people who were, who were unaffected. Now, I want us to imagine what it would be like living with such a disease in this society. Now, huh, I don't know about you, but this just makes me think of coronavirus. <laughs> and, uh, and people who have had it oftentimes feel ostracized. One, we have to quarantine. These people lived in a constant quarantine from society. They weren't allowed to be around anyone else, lest anyone else get sick and and I've, I've talked to people who have had it especially in the earlier months of of coronavirus people would be really nervous to tell people around them that they had it because oftentimes if you did tell people people treated you a little bit differently they just honestly did okay what do they do they step back you're the grocery you're at the grocery store and you cough what happens everybody looks at you everybody gives you a dirty look and so while I'm not trying to compare the two, we're, we get a little bit more of an understanding of what it was like to be. These guys were in constant quarantine, constantly out of the ability to, to be around family and friends and their community. Think about how you would get your meals. Think about how your only friends were other people who had leprosy. The only other people who were broken, who needed to be, to be made whole and, and fixed. And then think about this. How would you feel if you were suddenly healed and restored to your community, to your family, to your friends, to your church, to just life in general. Think of how amazing that day would be. Most of us would be ecstatic and we'd want to express our, our heartfelt thanks to the person who, who cured us, just like the Samaritan did. We would want to be thankful for that. Or would we? Or would we be like the other nine? I want us to ponder this question today. It's this, have you, have you ever prayed or hoped for something to happen, for some situation to resolve itself, for some illness to pass, and then when it, the desired end comes, you forget to be thankful? Have you ever prayed for someone else as well? I know for me as a pastor, there are lots of times I'll pray for people. They might have a surgery coming up or just praying that God's presence would be in someone's life and walk with them in difficult circumstances of life praying for someone's financial situation and then they get through surgery okay and they're feeling better and, and sometimes you just br you, you breathe a sigh of relief rather than just being thankful to God and th taking time to intentionally thank God for what he had done. This healing in their lives was a momentous occasion for these people who had been living outside of community. It was a turning point in their lives, they were told to go get their priestly okay 
for Levitical law, and they would have understood this. They would have had to go to a priest to declare them. They're, they're cleansed. They're, they're able to be in community again. They would have had to go to a priest to get that okay before they were ever around anybody else. Before even seeing their family, they'd have to go see a priest. But here's the deal. They just wanted to return to, to that normalcy, to the routines, to the ordinary life. And isn't that the cry of most people's hearts right now? I just want to get back to normal. I'm really tired of what's happening. And, and we all have this COVID fatigue happening in our lives right now. We, we have this, well, if we can just get back to this thing, then everything will be okay. And, and I don't know when that day is coming. I don't know if that day is coming. Maybe these people felt entitled, like sometimes we do, that they were owed this integration back into society. And they didn't appreciate it. We know what it's like to be around people who feel entitled to certain things. Maybe they just felt entitled that they deserved it. But here's a Samaritan who knew that he didn't deserve it. The Samaritans, they worshipped differently. They lived elsewhere. They they had no immediate, ordinary, or normal to go back to. And he had no right to expect all of these things to go back to this normal life. And something extraordinary happened in his life. He met the one who can change a life. He met Jesus, and Jesus changed him. Something extraordinary happened And here's what we know about the extraordinary. The extraordinary does not let you walk away and shrug your shoulders. When when God does something in your life, when you see God's hand on your life in a special way, you can't just shrug your shoulders and move on. You have to be thankful. We have to be grateful for those things. Let me say it this way. The, The ordinary, simply by being so ordinary, tends to make us ignorant and neglectful. We're sometimes not really thankful for our kids until that call comes from school saying that our kid got hurt. Or we tend to take maybe our health for granted until we get sick and have to go to to the doctor. We've all experienced this before. Maybe we haven't been grateful for our health until someone in our family gets sick. Or to be thankful for the employment that we have until a layoff is looming over our heads. Or sometimes we take for granted the the food and electricity we have when there's a major blizzard that happens. Now, we live in Iowa, and I don't know if, I don't think Northwest Iowa is any different. We have this thing that happens where if there's a forecast of five inches of snow or more, we prepare that we're going to be locked in our house for the next 15 days. I've never seen anything like it. Hey, there's a snowstorm coming. Okay, we got to go to the store and buy everything. The only thing now that I have to really wrap my head around it is the toilet paper fiasco of 2020. We've got to go and buy up all the toilet paper. (laughs) I I still, I just, I need to move on. Anyway. But we take these things for granted. That's why we need these reminders. Some of these reminders like Convoy of Hope that remind us there are kids in this world who don't have access to clean water. When we were in Haiti, we would see kids and their moms while dad was at work walking up hills and walking long distances just to go and find a water well. 
and then they'd take these big baskets or whatever they used to, to put on their head to carry it back. The food, when we, when we fed kids in these places that, that they just had no nutritional things at home to eat, they relied on someone else to provide for them. And so, even in our country, we've had a problem with, with clean water. And we see it as one of the most ordinary things that we take for granted. Turning on the faucet, flipping on a light switch, having a place where we have heat, or having a place where we have air that sometimes we just, we don't thank God for. And what happens is, is the external circumstances that spotlight the ordinary can help us remember to be grateful for it. Sometimes things happen in our life. We have that health scare. We have those things. They can, they can help us to be grateful. But let me encourage you of another way to do it. Gratitude doesn't have to be a spontaneous, spontaneous emotion of, oh, thank you, God, that I got past that crisis. But here's what gratitude is, and here's what we've been talking about, is putting it into practice. Gratitude is a practice, an attitude or orientation that we consistently access as a better way, as, as a way to better ourselves and to better our world. Being grateful for the little things as often as we can. Think about how often you may pray. Some of you in here, you may pray every day. It's a part of your regular routine. It's part of your regular connection with God. It's a good time, dream prayer, to, to thank God for all that he's done in, in each one of us. But gratitude, it, it's a practice. It takes practice. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Our, our daughter has a, a basketball game today. She's practiced, I think, eight times now. And now she's going to be thrown in live game environment that she hasn't been in since last year. So she has a little bit of an understanding, but she has a few girls on her team who have never played basketball before. So they're going to rely on all of the practice that they've, they've learned to be ready for what's about to happen today. Practicing gratitude, contentment, and thanksgiving, they help us to be ready for when things don't go according to, to plan in our life. You've probably heard or read some of the scientific studies that have happened in the last five or ten years, and we're learning some very interesting things. But here's, we're learning some things, uh, some sociological things and some psychological benefits to gratitude. There are actually psychological benefits, sociological benefits to you and to me if we just have gratitude. And here's what some of them are. They found that intentional practice of gratitude has been linked to greater happiness, improved health, better sleep, more exercise, less depression, and a greater willingness to help others. It can improve your marriage and strengthen your relationship with your kids. Those sound like good things, right? The practice of gratitude can lead to greater happiness, improved health, better sleep, more exercise, less depression, greater willingness to help others. It can improve your marriage and strengthen your relationship with your kids. All positive things just by being someone who is grateful the other thing gratitude does is gratitude connects us to our maker the one from who John 119 tells us abundance we have all received excuse me abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another James 117 it reminds us that every 
good and perfect gift comes from our Father. To constantly remind ourselves of these things. And here's the deal. God doesn't give us these gifts so we, so we can recognize the gift. He gives us these gifts so we can recognize the giver. So that we can acknowledge the one who has done it, the one who cares so deeply for each one of our needs and provides what we need. Gratitude, it reorients our lives away from stress, worry, and the never satisfied desire for more. And it points us to the one who gives us what we really, really need in our lives. Has anyone in this room been stressed this year? <laughs> Has anybody in this room worried this year? Have you lost sleep wondering what's going to happen? This year has presented us with, with such difficult challenges. And I meet with people on a regular basis who are just like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to keep going. I'm just struggling right now. And, and we don't know what the future holds over the next few months or few years. But there's some realities here that life is really, really hard. And so I want to I talk about that for a few minutes because I know some of you feel this way. What happens when the circumstances that inspire us to gratitude, what happens when there are no circumstances to inspire us towards gratitude? Sometimes things are worse than just a bad day. Some of us know what it's like to be miserably ill, to maybe watch a loved one dying, maybe do a lose a job, struggle under the weight of depression, or just kind of drowning in one bad thing after another thing. Okay? Can I just encourage you to never use this phrase? It can't get any worse than this. <laughs> Don't ever say that. But some of us feel that way. We're like, I just don't know how it can get any worse than this. This is so hard. This is so difficult. That's why Paul writes to us in Thessalonians, and he says that in, in all circumstances, not for all, all circumstances. He's not saying, oh, you have cancer. You should thank God you have cancer. He's not saying that. He's saying, but in the midst of cancer, he can be there, and he can be your hope, and he can be your joy in the midst of all of that pain. I was reading a story of this this lady, and she was... She was telling a story of one of her friends. And, and I want to read a little bit of what she wrote. Uh, she wrote this from a commentary I was reading. She said this, My friend and colleague David Bartlett is dying from complications following a stroke. stroke. The world is losing one of its most gifted, most articulate, most joyfully mischievous theologians. But David's wife Carol is also losing her beloved. Through an online journal, she has shared publicly and candidly about his decline and her feelings of helplessness, frustration, and anger, and her fist-shaking at God that she should lose such a wonderful man to such a heart-rendingly piecemeal manner. Even as she faithfully looks for moments in which she can give thanks, so she shares a little bit of this, this her, her journal, her, her friend's journal, the wife of the man who she's watching die. Here's what she said. The realities associated with David's condition are painful, but the time to just lay together, hold each other, and kiss have been a remarkable gift that has come at the very time we both needed, it, needed to just be. I still have a hard time getting my mind around the fact that soon David will be gone. 
while at the same time naming the losses I'm grieving and the losses I will be grieving for some time to come. Today, as we laid in bed, I realized for the first time in our married lives, I did not mind his snoring. <laughs> um, if you have a snoring spouse, anyway. Asking for a friend. In fact, his snoring was music to my ears. It's one of those little things sometimes annoying others enjoyed that I'll, I'll have the most difficult time losing. There's been no miracles of healing, she continues, but we have shared one miracle, our never-ending love for one another. She says, Carol's willingness to give thanks in the very worst situation has given her a great gift, an anchor in a sea of painful brokenness, a miracle in the midst of profound loss. It gets back to this practicing this thing because here's what we're all learning if you haven't learned it yet. Life is hard. Jesus tells us, in your life you will have troubles. And when we have those troubles, we do have an anchor for our souls whose name is Jesus. That's why we come back to this, this thought I mentioned earlier. Gratitude is an orientation, a practice when it's felt and it's expressed through journaling, through prayer, through a dinner table ritual, a thank you card, it bubbles over into something way more meaningful in our lives. It connects us with God, it changes our perspective, and it reminds us of our interconnectedness with others and how much we just need each other to work through life. We have a God who walks with us, and we have men and women and family members and friends and a support system around us to help us. That's why I love the church family. That's why I love you guys so much because sometimes I need you and sometimes you need me and sometimes we just need each other. That's how it is. It's the ebb and flow of life. We all go through different seasons at different times and when we're there for each other. Have you ever had that friend who is there on just the darkest day of your life? It connects you in a way that you were never connected before. Have you ever had that time in your life where God just seemed like he was so close to you. It connected you in a way that you'll always remember and always long for in the future. And these moments, they, they ground us and, and they let us see the miracles in the worst circumstances of life. And as the Samaritan was cured of leprosy, he discovered it will even make us whole. And that's what God's goal is for your life and, and his goal is for, for my life, is that we would be made whole. If you remember the story, he had leprosy. He had a physical condition that affected his life, but he also had a spiritual problem. And when it says that Jesus made him, him whole, it meant that he was, that he had had, he, he essentially received salvation. Now he was whole spiritually. He was connected now with God because of Jesus. Physically, we're, we're broken. Sometimes socially and relationally, we're broken. Sometimes it's spiritually. He was, this leper was, was physically, he was relationally, and he was spiritually broken. Why? Because he hadn't been able to have relationships with people he loved and cared about. You know, some of these stories we hear about COVID as family members who have spent extended time in the hospital, right? 
and they're in there for maybe two weeks or three weeks or something, and then their family gets to see them for the first time. Because in some cases, in some places, there were people who didn't see their family members for over two weeks, and they're struggling with the most, one of the most difficult things they've ever gone through. And the only thing that connected them was a phone in their hand through FaceTime or other ways like that. He was physically... He, he was physically broken. He was socially, relationally. He, he didn't have the people in his life. He was, had resort to the other lepers. And he was spiritually disconnected from God. And God said, I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you brand new. And that's what God does for all of us. And so my question for all of us this morning is this. What area of your life do you need to be made whole? What area seems to be lacking right now? Maybe it's a physical issue. Maybe it's a health issue. And you're like, you know what? I really need to take care of my health. Or, hey, there's this physical thing. I need to go see a doctor. I've been dealing with it for a month. I haven't done anything about it. I need to go. Whatever it may be. Maybe it's a, a physical condition that you need God to make you whole. The good news is he can and he will. Is it a relational issue? Is there someone in your life, maybe there's a, a broken relationship? It could be with a family member, it could be with a friend, it could be with it could be in your marriage. You need there to be wholeness where right now there's brokenness. And maybe it's spiritually. You just know that there's a disconnect between you and God right now, and God's wanting to bring you back. What's happening is last week we talked about this is we're looking for other things to make us happy. We're looking for outside outputs that if I just have this thing, if I just have this house, if I just have this car, if I just have this relationship, if I just have this amount of money, if I just have this relationship, whatever, then I'll be satisfied. And we go down this endless cycle of trying these things, trying to fulfill ourselves, and and Jesus is telling us, just like he was telling the, the leper, I'm the only thing that can make you whole. I can't imagine what the Samaritan experienced versus the other nine who didn't come back and thank God. There's something that happens when we recognize God in our lives. And I want to just end with this. I'm going to ask Tony, Pastor Tony and, and Diane to come forward. I want to end with this thought. It's that Jesus wants to do more in you than you expect. All the leper cared about was being healed. He wasn't, he wasn't asking, would you save me? He wasn't saying, would you restore me? He, he knew that there would be some consequences that he could go and maybe see his family now, but Jesus will do more in you than you expect. So this morning, I want you to stand with me today as we, as we pray and, and as we close. to think of that maybe those those areas in your life where it just feels like something's off something's a little broken God's wanting to restore that today whether it be a, a relationship issue spiritual or physical issue I believe they're all connected together so let's take a moment to go to God and then the song that we're going to sing just a, a verse or two from it is the song offering I'm, I'm, I'm going to give myself to you and the more we give of ourselves to God, the more 
fulfilling our life becomes. It's countercultural. The more we surrender to God, the more fulfilling our life becomes. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me today as we just reflect on what God may be speaking to you personally. You're not responsible for anybody else in this room. You're responsible for yourself. I just want to get a quick gauge so that I can be praying for you as your pastor. I'm just going to do this really quick, so don't delay if you if you need help in this area. But if you're here and there's a brokenness in your life, or there's an area of wholeness that you need in your physical body, maybe it's healing in your body, would you just lift up your hand so I can be praying for you? Okay? All right. All right. Okay? Those of you that may be here and you would say, Pastor, there's some relational issues in my life, some broken relationships that I'd really like to see restored, or maybe some apologies that I need to offer, or maybe some pain from a previous relationship I need to work through and I want to be made whole. That you this morning, you, you need relational wholeness. Would you just lift up your hands so I can be praying for you? Okay, okay, all right. This last one is, is, is the spiritual question and this is uh, maybe just spiritually right now you feel like there's something lacking and you want God to make you whole you want God to touch that area of your life maybe it's a complete disconnect with God maybe you've kind of run from God and this morning you're you're realizing I want to come back there's a a spiritual brokenness in you that you want God to restore this morning we just lift up your hand see I need God to restore that okay alright lots of hands. Let's let's take a moment to pray and go to God, and then we're going to sing the song to close out together. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. You know each one of us. You know each one of our hearts in this room. You know where we maybe feel like there's a lack, or, or maybe we've been looking for something else to make us happy or to find pleasure in. And all the while, you're there, and you'll give us the most satisfaction and pleasure we could ever receive. So God, I just pray for each person, those that raise their hand saying, there's a a physical issue in my life that that I I need God to help me with. I need some wholeness in my life. God, I pray for each, each person that raised their hand. God, I pray for them. Heal their bodies. Heal their minds. Heal them, God, right now. Help them to make the decisions that they need to make that's going to help them to become whole, God. Just like these lepers, you called them to do something about it. You said, go to the priest. You're calling some of us You're not saying you're healed. You're saying, go, take the next step to be whole. So God, help us to take that right step for us. God, for those that are here relationally, there might be broken broken relationships with family members. It could be an ex. It could be a boss. It could be children. It could be a parent. For some, it could even be there's a, a relational issue with someone who's passed on and there's not closure. But God, you can bring closure and wholeness to that situation. So God, I just pray that you would do what only you can do. Restore our relationships, God. And God, for the spiritual aspects, those of us that feel there's something that isn't quite whole, would you come in our lives? Would you change us, make us new? Give us that fresh mercy that is there every day. Restore to us the joy of our salvation bring us back to you or bring us to you for the first time. God, forgive us of any sin. Make us new. We receive the sacrifice you gave us in your son. Now, God, our response to you is, God, 
I'm going to bring my life as an offering to you. But I thank you for what you're going to do in us and for what you're going to do through us. You are not done with us yet. You have an incredible plan for our lives. And we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.